Hello, everyone. Welcome to Genealogy Adventures. I'm Brian Sheffy. And I'm Donya Williams. Hello on this very cold but yet beautiful Sunday. As always, thank you so much for spending this hour with us. And I'm just going to get into it because this is this is going to be a really, really interesting and um, really amazing show. Again, Donnie and I appreciate that over the last couple episodes, we've delved into some pretty, pretty emotional things. So this is kind of something a little bit more uplifting and um, a different aspect of, of women's history that, um, that I hope that everyone's going to find really fascinating. So without further ado, uh, we're here to talk about a book that was written about a woman called Lucille Denard Shazir, otherwise known as Mother Shazir, to her religious community. And she's 108 years old. You heard it. She's 108. She no, was born no. to 109. Thank you. Corrected in real time. <laughs> she's 109. She was born to a sharecropper in Worth County, Georgia, in 1913. Her mother died when she was a toddler. Her surrogate mother was a was an amazing, loving aunt, a woman who just so happens also to have raised her father, whose name is Jake. So her childhood on the farm was very busy with farm work and household chores, as you can imagine. Um, after her marriage to Eddie C. Eddie C. Shazir, she became the owner and operator of Eddie's Barbecue Stand. And it turns out Lucille was something of a domestic and international traveler. And again, I'd love to, to find out more about, about that too. And we're, we are joined today, and unfortunately, Mother Shazir is feeling a little under the weather today. We're hoping she may join us at some point in the broadcast. But otherwise, we are here with the amazing author, Mary Beale. Um, she's an author, family administrator, and home care consultant. She's trusted in her expertise in paralegal services, caregiving, and what's called natural wellness. You think about that kind of whole body, holistic approach to medicine. From reviewing legal documents to researching family history, Mary is a single stop shop for the supportive, ser supportive services that help families to stress less and focus on what matters, each other. She's a trusted advisor to families across the country. Everything Mary does comes back to family. Through her vital work, she's an ever-present reminder of what legacy truly is, the three L's, lineage, longevity, and love. Welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you so very much. Well, we're just so happy to, to, to have you on to talk about this amazing book and this remarkable woman, Mother Shazir, and, and her history. And I suppose I'm going to start with a softball question. Uh, we chatted, we know a little bit about it, but the audience doesn't. What actually brought you to this story, to this, to Mother Shazir's history? Well, Mother Shazer, as we call her here, and uh, some people pronounce it Shazir, but she, we call her Shazer. She is a friend of my mother. And so one day I went to visit her and sitting on her front porch, we got into a conversation. And she wanted to know some of the people that we knew in common. And so she mentioned one person and she said, do you know her? Her name is also Lucille. She said, do you know Lucille Dixon? I said, of course I know, that's Unhan. We I referred to her by her nickname, which was my mother's best friend. So long story short, we continued the conversation and I said, yes, my, uh, Aunt Lucille, on Han, 
was uh, featured in my mother's book, the book I wrote about my mother. And she said, let me see. I didn't have the book with me. So I went home, got the book and brought it back and I showed it to her. She said, yes, that show is hard. So that's how we got started. And as she flipped through the book, uh, I said, mother, would you like for me to write a book about you? She said, what would you say? I say a lot. <laughs> so that's how I got started. <laughs> So is she still living in Worth County, Georgia, or has she moved away from that community? She moved away from Worth County as a child to live with her aunt who lived here in Cordell, Georgia. And that's where she's currently living. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but she and moved away to Florida for several years, about 20, 30 years. And uh, she came back to take care of a family member. And I guess as soon as I hear the words farming, farm community, Georgia, are we, are we talking about kind of her formative years were spent in a very rural kind of part of Georgia? That is correct, yes. And is it kind of fair to say that most people in that, that, in that county are related to each other? Well, her, her life changed. Where she was born, she didn't live there long. Her mm -hmm. father remarried and uh, she moved to another town called Osceola, Georgia. So she spent her life, her early childhood between Cordial, Georgia and Osceola, Georgia which is about 45 miles apart from each other. Mm -hmm. And I guess, what was it like interviewing a hundred, you know, with a centenarian about their life, their life history? I mean, that's just something that doesn't happen to all of us all the time. Well, I feel like I was blessed because my mother, who was a centenarian, she died at 101. And she had told us growing up that her great-grandmother, Rachel Fields lived to be at least 112 because she said when she turned 12 years old, Grandma Rachel was 112. So there was longevity in my uh, maternal side. And my mother had one aunt to live past 100, and she had one sister who was 99 and a half, and several other family members to, to become centenarians. And again, when we were in the green room, you dropped a little bomb on us saying that Mother Shazir actually had a 90-year-old son. That is correct. That is correct. She has only one child, and he's 90 years old. That, that is amazing. That, that is just absolutely amazing to be able to, your own mom to live to be that long, her grandmother to live, to, I mean... How, how does that make you feel? Do you feel like you're going to live to be that long? <laughs> you know, I really don't know. But, you know, I can say, and I'm proud to say that last year I turned 75. So, and I don't, you know, I I, I don't feel it, but I don't know. Uh, but I'm thankful for every day. Amen. So I'm just trying to think of the polite way of asking the next question. So how many levels of great grandchildren does she have? I don't know if we can count. <laughs> <laughs> so more than a few. <laughs> we did just a short uh, genealogy. We didn't go to the whole list because it, you leave somebody out and they'll get upset. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I had that experience with my own family. I tried to do a chart and someone got left off the chart. And I don't think I've lived it down and it's been since... 2015. So I'm I'm still <laughs> trying to politically correct to get get a, a chart done. <laughs> but I'm thinking that you know that's so amazing for her family. I was blessed to have at least two of my great grandmothers 
until I was a teenager to learn something about their families and their, their family history. So, you know, hopefully her stories and her knowledge and her family history is being, being handed down all of those generations. Yes, we, we trying to do that. And, uh, since she only has one child and, and he is 90, I'm trying to work with her grandchildren to, for them to pick up where I started with this and, and expand on that. And I guess there's a kind of common belief, I guess kind of all around the world, that an easy life translates into a long life. And while, you know, um, Mother Shazir had the normal ups, ups and downs that anyone has, again, you know, she came, she was born to a sharecropper. She, you know, as a young kid was was working on a farm. So that aspect, parts of that, that's, that's a hard life. Um, what what is what does she attribute to her being 109? I think um, the love of family, or her 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 spirituality, her 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 love of people. She is a very loving person, and so I think that has aided her. That if you talk had a one on one conversation with her, you can you can discern that much. Mm-hmm. That she doesn't meet strangers. She's uh, a very has a very strong voice. That's the reason I wanted her to be on, so you can see for yourself how strong um, she still is. And again, the the flavor that I was getting through the book was that, in a way, she had two families. She had what well, she has because she's still very much with us. She has two families. One very much her biological family. And then the other one was her family of, of, I guess what I would call her family of faith. Yes, she does. And, you know, she has uh, most, I shouldn't say most, a large number of her acquaintances now are children of her friends and they rally around her. So, yes. And many of them was not of the same church or the same faith, but they rally around her. Well, I have a question, Bill. I mean, I guess my question is coming because me being, Brian and I being um, genealogists, I never got the opportunity. We're, we're like totally different. He was able to get to know great grandparents. I never got to know any grandparents. So to be able to have someone like that is so amazing to me. How does a person not sit at her feet every day and like bug her about information? You know, there, I should say, I know several of her grandkids and I know they they have constant contact and some of her great grands I've gotten to meet and they have constant contact, but they do not, they no longer live here or some of them never lived here in this town, but she goes and visits them and they rally around her. I remember when I drove her to Atlanta in November, there were three of her great grandsons there waiting to get her out of the car to make sure they assisted her in. And you could see the love of the kids and they, they was glad, glad to have, they call her Big Mom. They were glad to see Big Mom. <laughs> so I'm sitting here thinking, you know, Donia has written a family history book. I've written two books about how to do genealogy. And I'm thinking if I had to write about someone who was 109 years old, who had 109 years worth of history, Hmm. I mean, how did you decide what was going to go in the book 
what may have been like a nice story to put in the book, but there just wasn't really, I mean, how did you make those, those kind of decisions? Uh, those decisions came about um, through a process of interaction with Mother Shazer. You know, she has a front porch that's screened in and sitting there talking to her, she will mention certain things or certain places. And so that's how I got to um, write about them. And see, she's a she's very civic minded. She would vote in every election. So when we would be traveling to the voting polls, she'll say, wait, we used to vote over here. And she would say the colored people had to go here to vote, you know. So that's how I, I got a lot of information just listening to her. Wow. See, you, just, you dropped a bomb just in itself just by saying, and the colored people would go, <laughs> you know, because she's, she, when you think about her age, she's gone through us being Negroes, being colored people, being Black, being African-American. Like she's gone through all of these different names for us. Yes. I don't know about the I don't know about anybody that's watching us right now, but I literally have chills just by saying that. Cuz again, when we were in the green room, um and I'm going to say it exactly how I said it so you can keep it real and <laughs> keep it real on me. I mean, I want I I really want to invite people to con to contextualize what 109 years is. Yes. When she was born, I, well, I said she grew, you know, she would have grown up with a horse and cart, and you said <laughs> <laughs> a mule and a wagon. <laughs> there we go, because you 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 kept me real on that one. Yes. Um, you know, there were no airplanes, there were no automobiles. I'm not even sure if there were like fly zippers, or if you still had to button up your your dresses and your trousers. Yeah, I mean, I they mean, were buttons. Just that, just that those basic kind of everyday things. Think about it, 109 years. I can't even count how many presidents she would have known in her life, not known personally, but yes. you know, known their names in yes. her lifetime. She would have known enslaved people like immediately who were still alive, still in the community that she was born and raised in, but you know, no matter where she was living in, in Georgia. Um, so again, you know, for people who keep saying, oh, slavery was like a gazillion years ago, get over it. You're talking about a woman who's still alive, who knew people who were enslaved. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. So I you know, did a, a quick search. I did a real quick search. What was invented a hundred, in, in, in 1913? The bra, um, <laughs> the parachute, a windscreen wiper. The crossword puzzle, modern x-ray, okay, geological time scale, the Brillo pad, so cars were invented, uh, stainless steel, and that's it. Mm -hmm. That's where we are. Mm -hmm. Donya, I would like to comment. But, and that's one of the things I tried to show in the book, some of the things that have been invented during her lifetime, you know, over the over the decades. So I tried to show a little of that in the book also. Okay. You know, and just again, thinking about the the progression in the, in the medical field, I mean, to, I mean, I know that they weren't doing leeches back then, but kind of they had just kind of stopped in the 1800s. 
you know, just to, to see the real development in, in medical technology, Deborah Singleton, I'm going to build on what Deborah Singleton just said. So Deborah said she got to see the first Black president. Well, to put that into context, she grew up through Reconstruction. Oh, that would have been amazing to be able to ask her <laughs> about the whole, oh, no, that was was Reconstruction still going on? Oh, she would have been born just after it ended. Right. She, but yeah. her, Jim Crow. she right. was Jim, she Crow. Been Jim Crow. She was Jim Crow, but her yeah. father would have remembered Reconstruction. So to right. go from that whole period into Jim Crow, into the, the civil rights movement, just all, she saw it all. She just yeah. saw it all. Yeah, she saw a lot. Yes, she yeah. did. And she remembers a lot. That's what's so amazing about her. Her memory... Oh. Her, her, her mentality is so sharp still. And to give you an example, I we decided to take a trip to her adopted hometown of Osceola, Georgia. And she said um, about the church where she attended there. She said it's about four miles out of town. So I didn't know which direction to go. So we stopped and we asked some a local person and they told us. And I decided to use the odometer to measure. Guess what? It was 4.1 miles from town. She knew it. She knew it. At that time, she was 107 or 108, but that's how sharp her memory was. But the thing, the thing that I, you know, I really want to, um, I want to, I want to point out because uh, Yolanda Robinson said, "Per the 1880 census, we were black." Yes, you're absolutely right. We were black per the 1880 census, but. Even though the census was calling us black, they were still using the term Negro. The term and, Negro was still being used. And even in eighteen, and even in eighteen eighty, they were still using the word colored. Exactly, colored was still being placed on the um, on the death records. So certain yeah. things were still being used. She even used colored. Yes, she said the colored people went to vote over here. So these were these were the things that were still being used, even though legally there were certain terms that was being, you know, that was brought up that was being done. So she was around when all of those terms were being placed in, in into 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 the cycle. So I guess like what were some of the stories that you placed in the book that was that was that you felt gave like this whole big wow factor that you well, felt like you should have been in a book? Uh, one of the things is that the big wow factor for me was that we've heard about Linton and I had gone to the, the uh, memorial over in uh, Montgomery during this time uh, and I saw, you know, the number of Lintons around the state. And then I happened to ask her one day, did she ever witness one? And she actually saw one. Oh my God. Mm. You know, and that, and she said it was something she would never forget. Oh my God! So is that? Yeah, I was going to say, is that something that a family member took her to? How did I mean? How did how did that happen? Well, I guess people gathered after the 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 incident, and he was still hanging from the tree. And I guess there were families, groups of families, who gathered, and you know, they didn't leave the children alone because it was in the vicinity. I guess. We didn't, I didn't get into the, the nitty gritty detail, but that's what I gathered from her. And um, 
that she was able to see the body hanging from the tree and that the uh, person actually spoke before he was hung. And I, that's in the book. It's in the book. It says uh, what the person said. So I'm, I'm not going to give everything away. There's get the book and read the book for, for see some of the uh, comments. Yeah. Mm. That's got to be so, so. Well, again, I'm going to build on, build a little bit on a question from an audience member, Tony Grant. So, how many siblings did she have, and were they all as long lived as her? Well, no, she's the longest living, and she's the last one. There were three sets of children. When I say three sets, her father was married three times. His first wife, there were two children, and that mother died, and she knew one of them. She didn't know the sister who was born to that first marriage because the uh, deceased mother family took them, and they just never interacted from what I gathered. Then the next wife was the wife, Lula, who gave birth to uh, Lucille and her sister, Carrie. Then Jake remarried again, and I think there were seven or six or seven kids born to the last wife. And even with all of them, uh, Mother Shazer is the, the only living one. And in the, in the book, there's a little diagram to show this in the back of the book to try and show the family connections there. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I just did another a quick search and out of the 53 presidents, is it 53, 54 presidents of the United States? 46, she, isn't it? 40, 46. Yeah. Of, oh, I'm looking at the states. Okay, y'all, don't give, don't charge my heart. I got a lot <laughs> so out of the um, 40 plus presidents, she's been around 18 of them. Yes. Because the first one, that she was around was Wilson, Woodrow Wilson. Okay. And, and after that, it was Harding Coolidge, who was president twice, Hoover, Hoover, and then Roosevelt, who was president three times, Truman twice, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson twice, Nixon twice, Ford, Carter, Reagan, Bush, um, Clinton, Bush Jr., and... Uh, Obama, Trump, and now Biden. Yes. So it is it's amazing. She's she's witnessed so much just in that time period. Mm. So again, just women, I just ahead, want to Brian. remind you that women didn't have the right to vote when she was born. I was getting ready. That's exactly what I was getting ready to talk about. Voting. Yes. She remembers yeah. she remembers uh and it's stated in the book, she remembers when she first voted and who assisted her in registering to vote. Mm. You know, and again, I would have loved to hear her, her, if she was aware of them or if her father even spoke about it, you know, his experiences with voting. I'm not sure. We didn't, we didn't talk a lot about that. Okay. But, you know, of course, I should have realized that Again, it was just such, the way that you said it, it was just so casually, you know, casually stated, 
you know, the colored folk go vote over there. Obviously, the white folk vote over here, the colored folk go over there. And, you know, to even hear firsthand about some of the, some of the, well, I don't know if that part of Georgia did the same thing, but whether there was like poll taxes, did people have to read and, you know, verbally comprehend text that, that they were given? You know, all those, all those kind of voting tests that Black people had to do. How many jelly beans were there in a jar to see if her voting precinct did any of that kind of stuff? I'm not sure about that. I knew in some counties there were uh, poll taxes, and uh, so, but I'm not sure. I have not researched that specifically for Chris County. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, she sitting here thinking, she didn't have to take like any litmus test or anything like that. Uh, we didn't discuss that, and I don't believe. So at the time that she started voting, but okay. but I, I don't recall that right offhand. Okay. Um, but also trying to get a sense of, you know, I remember my great grandmothers and my grandmothers chatting about kind of family and how the family entertained themselves before TV. Um, and again, they were all really poor, so they couldn't even afford a, a transistor radio. So, you know, in my family, there's lots of singing and, and reading from books and all, you know, all those kind of things, and a lot of music, um, to find out kind of how her family entertained themselves. Uh, she talks about that, you know, that they visited with one another, and then they, they did a lot of uh, um, talking about religious or, or spiritual matters, and that that's one of the things I know. And then later on, radio came about and they listened to a lot of radio, you know, they huddled around the radio and there was only one radio in the house and there were, you know, TV was something way hadn't even been invented. So you, you didn't have TV, mm. you know? Wow. Yes. Wow. What my, what my great grandmothers both loved calling the devil's box. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> they, had, yeah. they had very strong views about TV. Um, Dee Turner, actually, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit about what, what she wrote. So basically, if Mother, Sh- Mother uh, Shazer's family wants to have these kind of oral family histories, they have the book to be able to read. But has she done, has she done any kind of vocal recordings or has she done videos or interview things on digital format that her family can, can enjoy for future generations? Yeah, yes. She she has um, uh, she there's there's probably YouTube uh, going to have a bunch of them. Uh, there's there are several interviews that she has done with the um, the publisher who assisted me in publishing her book. There are others who have taken her church have taken some videos, and I know if if on uh, Facebook uh, there there are videos out on Facebook. YouTube on her, and she loves to sing. You know, so so she, um, you will catch her sometimes singing. Yes. Okay. I was thought there was someone trying to get her to come in. I was just going to pause for a moment. May I? Yes. I'm going to put you on. Can I mute you just for a second? Yes, okay. ma'am. Yes, yes. So yeah, we're gonna go and take a commercial, quick commercial break and see um real quick, all right. Miss 
if you can hear me, Miss Bill, we're going to go ahead and take a commercial break while you're working on that, okay? Okay, thank you. No problem. Whether you've hit a roadblock in your research or simply lack the time or training to tackle it yourself, our talented genealogy adventures staff of professional researchers are here to help you. Researching poorly documented ancestors is one of our specialities. We're located just outside of Washington, D.C. and near all of the major national archives. We work with individuals, museums, county exhibitions, plus production companies, and we really look forward to working with you on your projects. And we are back. I've got a quick question from Douglas Speaks, really easy. The title of the book is How to Live Well Past 100, and the author's name is Mary L. Beal. And they can be found on, on um, Amazon. Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Barnes & all Noble, all of that. So what I did was I put her, pushed her down because she's walked away from her little area, so I am which I'm going to see in all through her houses. <laughs> But this is just such an awesome, you know, conversation. And um, I'm hoping that she will definitely be able to, you know, like talk with us and uh, have this whole conversation to talk to her because. This well, it's actually, I really, really hope that we, we can get M Mother Shazer because Dee Turner actually asked a brilliant, made it interesting observation slash really good question about the progression of the role of black women from the time that she was born to today. I think that would be a really good subject to, to explore first, firsthand. And, and even with Mary, you know, with Miss, with Miss Beale, um, who's in her seventies, she herself would have seen, would have seen that progression. So we get two different viewpoints on that one. Yes, yes, yes. I'm sitting here looking to see if she's going to be ready. Let me. Miss Bill, is she going to join us? She's on the way. Just just bear with us a moment. She's, she moves slow, but she's moving on her own. So Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop you down into our um, green area so that, you know, people won't see you all up through your house, okay? Oh, okay, thank you. Everyone at home, thank you so much for um, for your patience. But again, it, it's not every day that we get to interview um, a woman who's 108 years old. 109. 109. Sorry, I keep shaving a, shaving a year off her. 109 last month, guys. So I'm just, it's been <laughs> so exciting to, to be able to, you know, I guess, I guess I feel the way that I feel because we have Moses. You know, Moses lived to be 109. And 15 will, or in one um, article, it says 116. And to be able to know the things that he was, he saw during that time period, you know, when you, when you think about everything that he saw, the man was born before the American Revolution. And, and he was and, old enough to know, to old enough to hear all the stuff that was being said. Right. And, and see it and see it because he was running those deeds that we found during that time period just were fascinating because he you could just see him going from Edgefield, South Carolina to Caswell, North Carolina, just back and forth, and but just to evade the British exactly. And he could understand what was happening during that time. The fact that by the time the um war started, by the time the American Revolution started, he was old enough to understand it. 
and then to see all the other wars that happened between it. So yeah, you call war of, you know, war of eighteen twelve. Then you have the wars of eighteen forty eight with Mexico. Then you got world. Then the Spanish American, the Spanish American War. Keep it moving. World Keep War One. World War. Everything you know, just all of these different wars going through. Okay, they're back. Welcome. Oh my God. Welcome to the show. This is Mother Lucille Shazer. Say hello. You can speak. <laughs> she wants you to know that uh, I'm 109 years old, a teenager. <laughs> you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she. Uh, I call. I, I call all of my old folks. But I, I tell them I'm a teenager because I ain't but 109. <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you're that age, you can claim whatever you want to claim. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> no one is going to take your flowers. <laughs> no one. Matter of fact, we're here to give them to you today. Oh, you see, she has a sense of humor. <laughs> yes, she does. Yes, she does. I love it. I love it. Well, our our audience are continually sending you blessings, and um, again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for for being able to join us. Yeah, she she's she's having a little bit of hard time hearing. I'm gonna see if I can turn the volume up a little bit so that she can hear you better. Cause I don't I, I don't hear like old folks. <laughs> <laughs> I hear like yeah, young folks. <laughs> so Mary, why don't you tell her to no. just talk and share a story? Before the, okay, she said just just talk and share a story about your 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 growing up and your lifehood. Oh, uh, I was oh happy little oh I was. Happened a woman come. I told you I'm young now. <laughs> so I that was my older day when I was back then, 16 and all like that. That the my that was my old day. <laughs> but now I'm in my teenage and I can uh, have uh any fun I wanna have. With y'all children. <laughs> <laughs> well, mother, I know you like to sing and everybody loves to hear you sing. Would you tell them what your favorite song is and share it with them? Well, I I what people think is my favorite song. Yeah, I, I sing that song if anybody asks you who I am. Tell them I'm a child of God. And I can sing a little bit of it for you if you want to hear this teenager sing a little bit. Oh, we'd love to. Yes. You say they would love to. Go ahead. If anybody asks you who I am, Hey, hey, 
if you don't mind and it, it's actually partially inspired by by what mother just saying um 
As a people, African-Americans have had to make our own joy in this country. What has kept Mother Shazer moving for 109 years in, you know, in, the, in the face of adversity? You know, like I said, we make our own joy as a people. We've always had to do that. I'm going to have I, to repeat your question for her. She didn't mm -hmm. hear it all. She said, as an African-American people, we have suffered a lot and have to make our own joy, I think, in this world. So what, what do you have to say to that? Well, I've, I've had to make my own joy. I know when I was maybe 16 years old, I had to wait to, to make a living. And I think that making my own joy any kind of work I can get to do, shaking peanuts, picking cotton, anything I can do to... Uh, help me to live and enjoy my living. I, I, I had to do it. So those are, some, those are the things that I was into when I was young and coming up and trying to live through this life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And does she have any kind of general words of advice from, from basically her? Advice to, to your younger generations. Other mm. uh, generation, they should be uh, very appreciate to life, not according to my, what mine was, because uh, so many things that I had to do to, to try to live. They don't have to do it. I was young and I used to have to go in the woods and try to cut, cut wood for me to have a fire at night. Young people don't have things like, like that to do. I would drag green trees back to my house, maybe a block or two. I stayed on 6th Avenue and uh, I go down there to see the creek, that place and cut some green pies or whatever I could to get for, for heat for myself. So in a way I could get to do somebody want me to sweep the yards or Wash your clothes. That was my living. That that and, and the young people don't have that to, to go through with our day. So I'm getting a sense her hands were never idle. Never. <laughs> she said your hands were never idle. <laughs> that, I said you were never idle. You had work to do all the time. Yeah, I had to work. I, I, if I was idle, I, I wouldn't have had nowhere to sleep. I wouldn't have had nothing to eat. So I, I, I went out. <laughs> Did you understand what she said? She said if she was idle, she wouldn't have had a place to sleep or nothing to eat. Yes, yes.
So um, I wanted to ask like one quick question, um, Ms. Ben. Could you ask her if she had to take the litmus test for, for voting? When you first voted, did you have to take in a test to vote, to cast your vote? When, when I first, no, I didn't have to take, I had a friend, uh, was almost much older than me, and she had voted, and she the one cared me and showed me how to vote. And that that was on 8th Avenue, there one of them old buildings, what, uh, nothing in them now. The old buildings is down below the railroad, coming by, whoa, well, was on 8th Avenue. Mm -hmm. Wow, okay. And, and um, then her dad asked her, did her parents ever like share any anything? Does she remember any story? Were there any stories that like really stuck out with her? Was there any story that was passed down from your father, yeah. your mother, your, your stepmother that that stuck out with you in the stories that your dad had told you? No, I don't know in the story my dad had told me or I, my stepmother either, but st still stick out with me now that I remember my daddy would go to bed real early and all us young people and would not be sitting around getting out with lesson and uh, he'll be asleep and by the time we go to bed good I would he would get up and you hear him pray 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 with the night and that's that still go with me. And still stuck out with me to have my daddy calling on the Lord like he did Late in the night, but he'll wait till all of us go to bed. I really think we'd be asleep, but I'd, I'd be in there crying and, and rejoicing. I didn't know I was rejoicing, but I know I was crying. But wow. as I got up, I know that's what it was. My little heart was rejoicing over the spirit that was. Having him, having him pray like he was. <laughs> um, and does Mother Lucille remember much about when her father was a sharecropper? And if she does, can she just talk a little bit about what that was like for him? You do you remember when Mr. Jake was a sharecropper? What it was like for him, the harvesting of the, you know. You oh yeah, always he always. And a shell coming, he always, oh, I guess, did real good. We wouldn't, I don't think he'd be in debt or nothing. And uh, we are, uh, he always would raise our cave, and we made soy out of the cave. He always have that sweet potato. We had made potatoes during the winter time, and a lot of times we had white potatoes because 
he learned how to need no white potatoes and put them in the man's where, where he had a man's of a sweet potato. Mm. And so we always had a good garden, good uh, food and stuff for the weather because he he was he raised his own hogs and hey, well he didn't say raise no cow, no lot of cow, but he would always raise one or two. He'd get him a calf early, raise one or two cows. So we always we always enjoyed eating. <laughs> he was a good fisherman and a good hunter. And that's what he would label all the time. He would label, but at that time, I didn't know he would label. But since I got grown, I realized that he would fish at night. And we'd have fish for breakfast a lot of time because uh, we'll be in the bed sleep. He'd be fishing, and he'd come in, he'd clean them. And he was a ply, he ain't ply the farmer, but he get enough sleep to wait the next day. So she so so she um got her busyness, her non-idling self. She got that from daddy. <laughs> what she said you got your non-idling from Mr. J. <laughs> and Actually, th this is a question for both of you, um, including including you, Mary, is how do you both see kind of the lives of women and the roles of women in this country, and I guess specifically Black women, change since the time that you were born to the, the times that we're living in now? Well, for me, um, I, I've seen it change in the sense that uh, we have taken jobs outside of the homes. Um, and we have lost some of the skills that we had. Uh, for instance, um, my mother, we did, they did quilts, they canned fruits and vegetables in season. Uh, so there was always plenty of food because they had that knowledge and that skill. Now we basically get everything from the grocery store and we, eat, we don't know what all we eat in sometimes because of that. Uh, and every family had a, a vegetable garden Amen. and ate fresh. So we've changed a lot of ways to the detriment of our health because we don't eat as fresh. You know, a lot of things eaten out of the box out of tin, which that wasn't the case because the, the, the wife, the mother, and the daughters were taught to do those things, the can and the, 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 the um, quilting the washing, the ironing, you know, all of those were household chores that I had to do growing up and uh, to help with uh, preparing the food for Cannon. And so I'm sure Mother Shazer did some of that for her aunt too. Well, my stepmother. Your stepmother. Okay, she did a lot of that for her stepmother to help her stepmother. I helped her stepmother. She helped her stepmother, okay? How many siblings did Mother Shazer have? How many siblings? How many sisters and brothers you had? Do you remember? 
my the first wife would be my sister. My brother died. My the first wife was my sister and my brother. They were ahead of me. They, he had two children. He had a boy and a girl by the first wife. I didn't never know the girl because she passed on like before I was born. The second wife was sister and I. And uh, our mo mother died. And the third wife was uh, my four or five children. And, and, that, and I had about five, six, seven, five, nine, <laughs> nine sisters and brothers. Wow. I may be making a mistake on the last one, but I don't think I is. <laughs> I think I'm correct on that. Mm -hmm. But I know coming on down to his third wife, that's where the children, more children, because my mother passed and the first wife he had passed. But the second wife, he and I lived together, and he paid. But he had about five children before he paid. Well, I just want to thank you guys for just like being on the show. This has just been so awesome and so <laughs> awe-inspiring. Well, actually, now that we're talking about foods and growing food and, and all of that, <clears throat> I'm very thankful that my grandmother and my mother taught me how to preserve and can because I have my, my little COVID victory garden. So, you know, all the peas and all that stuff, you know, I, I put that away for it. But actually, we're still enjoying them right now during the winter. So those are just amazing skills to have, period. But I'm assuming, again, this is a rural area. It's not like you could just go to a clothing store and just buy clothes off the rack. So I'm assuming that, that Mother Lucille and sisters and, and stepmothers and whatnot, they were, were they the ones who primarily made their clothes? Did you make your clothes growing up, Mother? They had, if uh, since it was in our community, but we got out in the material, anything like that, we'd have her to make our dresses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you understand? She said they had seamstresses in that community that made the dresses. Yes. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. I ain't digging in no dirt, so I'm going to the y'all. <laughs> I don't dig in dirt. I'm one of them, and um, okay, I, don't, I, don't, I don't stitch either. So, <laughs> but again, like I said, this has been an absolute honor um, to have both of you ladies on the show. We will be putting the link to um, Mary Bill's author, Mary Bill's book, in the. Um, in the comments so you guys can buy the book and just read the stories about Mother Shazir. Mother Shazir, we thank you so very, very much for being on this show today. Yeah, thank you. Hmm. He's thanking you for being on the show. Oh, well, you're welcome. Thank you for what to talk with me. Yes, it's awesome. If I was there, I'd be sitting at your feet. 
<laughs> she said if she was here, she'd be sitting at your feet. Huh? She said if she was here, she would be sitting at your feet. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> um, but no, thank you, thank you both so much for um for being able to join us. We we both thank you for having us and to talk about Mother Lucia Shazen's book, How to Live Well Past 100 Years, because she is still living well. As you can see, she you can't see her, but this girl has gotten up, been to church, looking sharp. You see how sharp she looks? She's a sharp dresser. <laughs> I'm trying to give you a better view of her there. I see her. We see her. I saw her. I just didn't want everybody looking into your house. So yes. I shut everybody down. <laughs> yes. But again, the, the thing that I love besides the, you know, just the little glimpses into a bygone age is just her joy and her positivity. And it's just amazing. It really, really is. It is inspiring. Very inspiring. It really is. She's she's awesome. And and I thank you so much again for, you know, sharing this 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 living history, um, women's history for women's history must because month. Because that's what this is. This was um, living history that we we just witnessed. And there's so many people on our show today that stated that we we were in we were that they were witnessing living history and that they were honored to do so. It is so an honor you. to be in her presence. Yes, it is. It really, really is. So um Next week, guys, we're going to learn about another centurion who has, uh, she's passed, though. Her name was Olivia Hooker, <laughs> and she was actually um, the first African-American woman with the Coast Guard. Mm -hmm. So get ready, because we are still honoring women in history for this March History Month 2022. So as always, hope that, you know, you guys were spared the snow again wherever you were this past weekend because we had some pretty interesting weather. As always, thank you so much for spending this hour with us on Sunday. You will see us right here, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time next Sunday. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you again, Mother. Thank you again, Ms. Bill. I'm Donya. I'm Brian, and enjoy the rest of your day. Well, yes, thank you, you both. All right. You guys have a great, great day. Bye. Right. Bye. Okay.